Kura, this program is brought to you by Wellington Access Radio. Wellington Access Radio, make your voice heard. Welcome back to B-Side Stories on Wellington Access Radio 106.1 FM. Um, in this half of the show, I'm going to be talking to Justine Fletcher. Um, Justine is the person who came up with the idea of the NAC market, which has been around for, must be 11 years now. Um, out in Berenpore, a craft market and community event, but I'll just let Justine start talking about that. Hi, Justine. Hello, how are you? <laughs> I'm well. <laughs> well, I'm going to start talking about the NAC market. <laughs> yes, what can you tell me about the NAC market? Well, I can tell you that um, it started in July of 2008, and uh, it started because Berenpore School was after a fundraiser that... Um, was something that was going to be a bit ongoing and could be a bit reliable and was something a bit new for the community. And it was about that time that there were some fantastic markets out uh, around Wellington, um, one of which was the amazing Craft 2.0 at the Douse, which was started by Sue Tyler. Um, and I think that was really the inspiration behind NAC, although we wanted to do our own thing, um, do something slightly different um, with more of a community flavour. Um, that was really inspirational. Um, and so what we decided to do was to see if we could get people from outside of the local, the very local school community and um, entice them to the wonderful suburb of Berenpore. <laughs> um, so that's what we decided to do and it started small and got bigger and um, very established. Uh, we run four markets a year and it's a seasonal thing. So just when you wish another one was coming around. You start seeing the posters and the Facebook posts. Wonderful posters. Yes. <laughs> um, yeah, so it's, it's a nice regular thing um, that people seem to come back to. Yeah. Who makes the posters, by the way? Um, cool. Ruth Fraser does them these days, and I think she can be um, credited for the coolness of them. <laughs> I did them at the beginning, and they were uh, somewhat on the lame side, but... <laughs> yeah, she's she's got a really styly kind of approach to those. Yeah, I remember receiving those the little knack market flyers way back when, and thinking they were cool for their lack of pretension. Yes, yeah. Well, that's one of our one of our our charms, we believe. <laughs> lack of pretension. Yes, that's right. Well, what we like to be able to do is, um, as long as it's original um, and really genuinely handmade, um, unless it's absolutely kind of unrecognisable as an object. Um, we love to have that range of beginners right through to people who sell professionally and um, maybe, you know, make a living from what they do. But certainly that lack of pretension and a, a fun day out, um, which is about more than just selling, is very much part of what we aim for. And do you feel like you've got that real mix? Has that worked? Yeah, I think so. I think um, quite a few of the markets that I've experienced... Um, are they they aim for a, um, a certain cri criterion of 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 quality, which um, maybe makes the products on on offer a little bit more homogenous and um, yeah, sometimes quirky is 
is interesting for a lot of people. So, yeah. It seems pretty packed these days. How many storeholders do you reckon you have each time? Well, it's not that we have a huge number. Um, but it kind of varies between, let's say, 25 and 35. Um, the Christmas market is often bigger. Um, but it's more that we get variety. And um, we do have you know, some people who come back for almost all the markets, but we also have lots of new people as well um, who are trying out selling and seeing what people think of their products. And so we have a kind of a natural air of <laughs> excitement and enthusiasm, um, which I think really helps, really um, makes the day seem a bit buzzy, which, yeah, which is, I mean, I find really, really pleasant. Mm. It must be a heap of work. <laughs> it was initially, um, yeah, I, I kind of took on the whole thing initially, and um, but it was at a point in my life where it was really nice um, kind of distraction to bringing up toddlers, and um, so it was quite a nice outlet, although it did occasionally almost kill me, I think. Um, but then certainly it got to a point where I needed a hand, and um, there were lots of people who helped with various aspects of it during you know during the whole process, but certainly Ruth Fraser has um, stepped in and taken a, um, a lot of the the, store, the school um, coordination side of it away, which has also, I think, obviously led to it not only continuing but becoming really established and successful. So you didn't even have children at school when you... Started up. Yes, I or, did. Yeah, right. I had a, I had a five-year-old when I first got involved with the. So you're straight in there. <laughs> yeah, I was actually. Um, yeah, well, not the first day he started school. <laughs> no, a little bit later on. But yeah, I just came along to that, you know, ye olde PTA to see what was happening, and and it was great. It was really nice, but just because it was a school that really needed funds, um, you know, having a, some kind of regular. Um, income from fundraising was certainly what everyone was aiming for. Do you think it's something in particular about Berenpore and Berenpore School that makes the market, what did it like, unique or different to others? Well, I think we've never denied that we've been Berenpore School. Um, it's a school that has, um, I think maybe, is it 30, something like 30 mm. different ethnicities or languages um, and so we have a wide range of you know, people from refugee backgrounds and, um, you know, uh, social housing around the area. And, um, you know, I think we've, we're proud of that. It's, it's a lovely aspect to Wellington that I think a lot of people who live in the area enjoy. Um, I think, you know, the market is a bit more of a traditional Pākehā kind of approach, but we always encourage anyone who wants to, you know, be part of it. It certainly adds to the... Um, yeah, to the to the flavour of the day, um, and we we have an incredible advantage of being able to offer wonderful um, food from um, different countries, um, which we aim to do. Um, so you know, it's I think that that kind of lack of pretension and just um, we try to. I mean, we really try and make sure everyone has a fun day out. That's actually what it's about, um, and we also hope that they make money. But that's actually up to them. <laughs> <laughs> in terms of you know if they make good stuff they'll you know that will go well as well yeah and sometimes I love that the students at school get involved as well yeah make yeah up their own little stores yeah that's that is something that I have always encouraged um, if children um, as long as they're prepared to you know <laughs> offer a koha to the school it doesn't have to be a lot of money but it's about um, 
acknowledging the opportunity as well and um, following through the process and it's certainly um, yeah I mean it's a real opportunity for them to see just how much it costs to make something to sell and um, yeah to see actually how that whole process works. Some kids do get into it and they come back you know for several markets and, and often you know really learn from it. So your entire family pretty much is very involved with Berenpore School. <laughs> do you think is that just the sort of people you are, or um, again, is it? Do you think you'd be doing that no matter where you were, or is there something about that particular school that? I think um, certainly we we ended up the the house that we could afford when we afford, could afford to buy a house was literally across the fence from the school, and we thought, oh, that's handy, and. Um, then, so our son started school, uh, who's now 16, and then um, and we got involved and it was great and we thought, gosh, this is a lovely diverse school and they take lots of people from with different types of learning situations and um, then as, um, as our younger two children got older, who are now 12 and 10, um, we were very grateful for the help of the school because... Um, my daughter uh, is classically autistic, and um, as it turns out, my youngest son is also on the autism spectrum too, as well as being a type 1 diabetic. So um, it was quite nice that we got involved with the school <laughs> early on. It's turned out to be, um, I think, you know, we certainly would have got involved with any school, but it's certainly a, a very special relationship that we do have with the school. Yeah. Berenpore does have a great reputation for inclusiveness and yeah. for... You know, being really committed to mainstreaming people yes. with different learning needs. Yeah. Um, but you guys have actually been a part of that as well. It's not been just a one-way. No, I think oh, I like to think that's the case. Yeah. yeah. And I think there's another um, beauty of the school too is that um, if you can offer something to the school, they try and, as many schools would, um, they certainly try and you know take you up on those offers because. Um, you know, as we all know, schools are very underfunded, <laughs> <Was it? laughs> particularly when they have these extra, extra, um, yeah, people to accommodate. Yes, <laughs> yes, with no money for it. Um, yeah. Was it an interest of yours before you had children who had different learning needs? Not so much. I think um, it's something we always believed, um, but you know, the proof of the pudding, mm. <laughs> kind of, yeah. It was it, it, it's been an incredible journey and kind of learning experience um, more widely as well. I think, yeah. So I know you spoke to the special needs commission, which must have been yes, quite yeah. terrifying. <laughs> oh, it was great actually. I mean, it was I was kind of nervous, but um, then when I saw, you know, certain politicians not really seeming to listen or walking in and out, um, I thought, well, you know. I will say my thing. Some people are listening. And so, you know, um, I think in New Zealand, although you might be really worn down and not have the energy for it, and I've been in that situation at various stages, um, there are opportunities to, you know, to have your voice heard. And I think, you know, um, I don't actually know if it comes to anything, but if you don't have your voice heard, well, it certainly doesn't come to anything. So, you know. If you're in the right frame of mind, you take those opportunities when you can. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, um, tying back into the nap market, I know that another part of your life is art, and but you're an artist. <laughs> Apparently. <laughs> Apparently. <laughs> yes. 
Yes. <laughs> you make it sound like you've surprised yourself. Yeah, yeah, it's very much fit around the edges, that's for sure. Yeah, yeah. Mm. But you've had exhibitions. Yes, I have, I have. My, okay, so my, my main focus is around the suffrage petition, uh, the third suffrage petition, which was the document that I hope we all know, uh, gave the women, women in New Zealand the vote in 1893 and that we're celebrating the 125th anniversary of uh, this September or this year. Um, yeah, I think um, I've always been interested in strong women and I studied history at university and um, I just investigated these women um, on my own, off my own bat really and um, started a little kind of range of jewellery called Plucky Sheilas um, which was kind of, yeah, had images of, of women in it and um, I also do lots of work with, um, uh, let's say, discarded kitchen implements and um, textiles. Um, so that, that there are two kind of things that I do. And um, when I, when I, so I, I made jewellery, but then I also lo- loved the idea of expressing the suffrage petition um, through the statistical information around it, such as... Um, uh, I did a an installation in the Wairarapa called 607, which is about um, the, the 607 women who signed signed the petition over there. And that involved, I was lucky enough to get a residency at um, Pacific Studios there. And um, that was in four different places across across the Wairarapa and then came together at Aratoi. And that was in, I think, 2014. And I did a similar thing um, at Toy Pōneke, which was um, called um, 12, I'm trying to think of the number, 1261 maybe. Um, I'd have to check that, 1260. Um, and and ex- except I made chandeliers out of um, that number of pieces and hung them. And so I made a chandelier for every suburb and hung them geographically in a geographical oh, location with the right in the number gallery. Of yeah, pieces yeah. for the people. Yeah, on each one. yeah, yeah. Wow. Made out of co- coloured resin, um, which were cast from kitchen implements. So, yeah. So I did that, and I've. I last year I went to Melbourne, and um, this was a slightly different historical um, event, which was about the tailoresses in Victoria who went on strike um, in 1882, and um, so. Yeah, about two and a half thousand women went on strike, had their names in the strike book, and so I made that many casts and um, did an installation in Trades Hall um, for them. Wow, and have you got anything coming up now for the celebrations? Not yet, although I'm hoping to hear in the next couple of days, but I really don't have my hopes up. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no. For for getting into that main... Oh, I'm hoping for some funding for a... um, an installation, but sure. yeah, that they um, they should let it, let people know that sometime this week. But um, yeah, as time passes, Still I have less, and less hope. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but no major plans for this year. I've got a few um, few things coming up, but not really necessarily around the okay suffrage. Uh, what are those other projects, or are they secret? <laughs> They're kind of not established enough to talk about sure. yet. But um, yeah, yeah, you know, you kind of have to do quite a lot of. Working around before things, yeah, 
come together. <laughs> right. So it seems like you've got a lot going on. You've got your own creative processes <laughs> and you're, you know, obviously probably helping your children with expressing themselves. And then you've got the knack market where people are coming and, you know, showing off their wares to the world. Yeah, yeah. Well, the great thing about NAC is that there's someone who's taken over the main part that I've been doing until the last one, which is the stallholder um, coordination. Um, that's a person called Becky Bean, and um, she's a, a mother at school who um, is a curator in a gallery in town too. So um, so I'm, I'm almost NAC-free, although I'm still, you know, available if they need me. Right. <laughs> so, what do you reckon you'll fill that time with? Oh, I hope actually more more project art projects and um, yeah, potentially focusing a little bit more on being able to sell some of the plucky Sheila's things, which I've kind of left I've left for a while, but I'm keen to get back to that. Yeah. Would you have a stall at the neck? Well, this is why I originally started the market <laughs> to sell things. Yeah, yeah, maybe, maybe, yeah. It's kind of. In a way, it's moved on a bit, but... Um, I've not ever seen you have a stall there, I don't think. Well, <laughs> Lucia, my daughter, and I had a stall last market, and that was that was really fun. We actually um, are hoping to save up and go snorkelling um, somewhere. So, you know, we thought, Fantastic. we'll make millions <laughs> if we have a stall at NAC. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it was just a, a nice project to do together. But, um, yeah, we'll see. It, 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 you've got to be in a really... You've got to really be in the mood to to, you know, love what you're making to sell. And uh, so I need to just, yeah, find that and, and then maybe I will have a stall. <laughs> Fantastic. So what's coming up with this particular net market, which is on, what, the 15th yes, of September? Yes, yes, 9.30 to 1.30. It's a really great market, this one. I think it might be my favourite. Um, mm-hmm. It's the retro and vintage one where so you can come along and you see lots of great craft stuff maybe you know with that vintage touch or maybe not just the regular stuff but we also have some lovely secondhand um, stalls as well so I know that I think there's someone there who's going to be selling um, records and CDs and um, there's a fantastic um, kind of clothing and housewares homewares um, table as well, and we're going to have a table of fabric as well this time. So those are kind of from the school side of things, um, and as yes, just as well as, well as the usual, um, some of our regular stallholders, some new people as well. Yeah, and is it a good fundraiser for the school? It is. Yeah, it is. Um, it is a good fundraiser for Berenpro School. <laughs> In that um, we have to do you know, four markets a year plus other events to get to a certain total for the year, which may be less than some schools make on, say, maybe a big fair. But um, but it, it definitely covers a lot of extras um, for the classes, and that's what we fundraise for. We don't fundraise for just an empty pot, you know, for it to go into a... Um, how would you describe it? Um, it's it's targeted to teachers doing things with their classes and school equipment, playground equipment. Yeah. Um, and will there be the um, kids zone, or whatever it's called, this time, or is that not a that's not a not vintage this one? Thing? No, no. Um, there will be a white elephant though. So that's right. that's kind of a little bit of the kids zone equivalent. The kids zone we have um, for the Christmas market and in the autumn one. So in 
late November and March. Kids Zone, um, for those who don't know, is when the kids at the school set up all sorts of things. Um, like my son, one time a few years back, set up a coconut shy, which was surprisingly successful. Yes, <laughs> he yeah. had such a sense of accomplishment from that. That's right, that's right. <laughs> and what is really nice about the Kids Zone is that as much as we love the kids, we quite like them being away and being noisy and being able to express themselves in a slightly different part of the school um, because in the, you know, in the early days we did have some, some more child-orientated things in the hall and it, it, it can, there can be patches where it's a little bit clashy. Sure. <laughs> so you've got your well, coffee good... area, you've got your craft area, your kid area. Yes, that's yeah. right. Food area. Food, yes. yeah. Yes. So. Yeah, having been um, what's known as a knacker on the uh, <laughs> cake store quite a few times, I can totally recommend those cakes because when you're standing there for a while, you've just got to buy some, really, <laughs> and then maybe some more, and then you think, well, I could put those in the freezer because I reckon those are the best cakes in Wellington. What a great community of cake bakers. <laughs> yes, I think it gets slightly competitive, actually. <laughs> no one admits it, but I sometimes wonder if people don't say, I am going to have the best cupcakes this time. <laughs> so there's a good range of things as well. Yeah. <laughs> Excellent. Uh, is that getting there? I thought it might be. I'm not sure whether you trust the clock or not. Hey, thanks heaps, Justine. And so September 15th, Berenpore School in Berenpore, Bridgemite Street, and it's parking there as well as parking on the field. Free parking, so. F-POS machine. Yeah, um, definitely. Come along. I totally recommend it. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. That program was brought to you by Wellington Access Radio. Get your voice heard. Thanks New Zealand On Air for funding the Access Internet Radio Project.